for listening. This is the first ever episode of Cathode Raycast, Story mm. Screen Presents Podcast. I'm your host, Bernadette Gorman. I'm going to go around the table and introduce who we're with today. Hi, I'm uh, Robert Anderson. I enjoy long walks on the beach. I also love movies and TV shows. Thank you. That was wow. so well put. Yeah, I do like Very long. Concise. I do like long walks on the beach. I have not been to a beach in a while, so if anyone's trying to get me there, okay. I'll walk with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jack Kaljeski, and I uh, I like Robbie. That's it. Aww. Yeah. We never get to be on the same side of the yeah, table here we are. the podcast. This is very yeah, nice. This is nice. That's true. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> we will. We can save it for later. Yeah. And then lastly, we're joined with? Uh, yeah, I'm Heath White, and I'm I'm friends with Bernadette here. One, and, might, one uh, might say you're you're good friends. Yeah, I mean, we're engaged, but I mean, whatever. So, <laughs> and you uh, have a more, lot to say. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, uh, you guys are bang yeah. buds. All right. Go out there. It's out there. I guess Robbie's got something to say. Yeah. Um, today we're gonna keep just be diving into American Gods. Um, we're definitely gonna be releasing a lot of these episodes um, once schedules align and talk about a lot of shows in the future. We'll get into that, but for right now we're just gonna dive straight in. American Gods, the book, was written by Neil Gaiman. It came out in two thousand one. Hmm. They chose to adapt it for stars. And it came out in April 2017. And so we have all watched it. And we've all read it, except for Jack. Yeah, I've read it. So that'll be good, because we'll I definitely... I actually can't read. Oh, well. Yeah. That's why I watch stuff. So that's why there's two. When you watch yeah, foreign yeah, films, yeah, is yeah. it just a sad affair? Oh, uh, yeah. Just kind of sort of... Well, you just kind of infer what's yeah, going on. Just kind of get the motion language. of the room, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah. yeah. Once they start smooching, you're like, oh, I get what's going like on. Like you with yeah. Donald the Planet of the Apes. I did watch Donald the Planet of the Apes without subtitles. Without I was like, well, they're not... Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't think... Listen, they're not. They're not it's you not Shakespeare. Yeah, it's well, fine. it's like there's the bad monkeys, the good monkeys. The bad monkeys want the guns, and they're trying. I figured it out. They're very emotive. So I know okay. what the movie. True. Is. Damn it. Lots of screeching. Lots of monkeys. Yeah. It was a lot. It's more like you know. I wish it's not kind video podcast. It's just like, like yeah. 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 that's yeah. the sound of hands hitting each other. Wait, I think we heard it. Apes, to, apes together. So no, I, I have not read the book, but now that right. the first season is over and we are at somewhere. In the middle of the book, I kind of want to read ahead here and see. We can get into that, but I would like to read the book now because I know I, I want to know what happens much sooner than the next season of this show is going to come out. You have some questions and you want some answers. I do have some questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good because I think we all have different takes on how the show affected us personally, what we really liked, what we disliked, and I think having different perspectives, book readers and non-book readers, Mm -hmm. for this one. Is really good. Also, you guys with the perspective of what happens next, and me just being like, "This is what the show has given me so right. far." Is interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the the show I feel like starts off like pretty, like like word not word for word with the book, but like kind of following the same path. But then once you get to like mid season, it really starts to kind of mm. go its own way mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, you get some you get some events that are like later in the book a lot earlier than you would get. Yeah. uh, Well, so as book readers, the three of you guys, like, how did you feel about the show in general? Like how they handled. I think I'm gonna go last. I think I'm gonna let (laughs) yeah one of you find last. Well, we've talked before. Before I think Burn has some intense. Yeah, I'm I'm not that into it. I will continue to watch it. There are things that I like. You just just go. Yeah, yeah, you just go. It's your show. Lay it out. Yeah. All right. Um, what I really did not appreciate from the adaptation aspect. I don't like it when 
words are taken out of a certain character's mouth and put in another character's mouth. Mm, okay. I like information being received by, at first, the reader to interpret it and follow that character's path. And a lot of dialogue is included in the show that was in the book, but spoken by a different character mm. or revealed in a very different way. Mm-hmm. And in the book... So the basic premise is this character named Shadow Moon is getting out of prison. He His wife dies immediately before his release. Well, that's what he, makes him get released early. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, right. by three oh. days. Yeah. Essentially. Um, and then he gets immediately hired by a man called Mr. Wednesday to be his protector. And that's the immediate premise. Pretty much, yeah. That's, that's all they give you yeah. at yeah. the beginning. And you start finding out things about these characters and you start learning different things and there's a lot of mysticism going on and a lot of fantasy. Mm-hmm. But a lot of just like down-home Americana going on. You get to For hear sure. about America and these other gods as well that have come across coming to America and hearing their stories as well. And that adaptation, I think takes you away from experiencing it through shadow. Because okay. in the book, you learn about things because of shadow, but also because someone else is writing the story of the gods coming to America. Right. And that's very vague at the beginning. You don't really know who's writing these stories or how you're getting this information. Mm. Yeah. And then you see little vignettes, too, of other things happening. But I feel like a lot of the fantasy comes from learning through shadow's eyes. Yeah. And he's a little dim-witted. A little more dim-witted than he probably should be. Yeah, he's more muscle than mine. Exactly. I think... And the show kind of takes away from that, I think. The way they've played him so far, and I guess we should say up top, right, we're going to dive into the ser- the entire first season here. So yeah. we're going to go spoil Yeah, so yes. we're just going to kind of openly discuss the whole first season, but... It's been, what, like a few weeks, a it's month? Been a, it's been a while, little, little bit since the so. But um, I really like the first season... Not especially not seeing the or not having read the book, like I didn't have expectations going in. But I like Shadow as the audience surrogate kind of character, where he. I agree that maybe maybe it's not that he's dim witted, but he is. He's basically like the Scully of this situation, mm-hmm. where it's like Scully, like turn around, there's an alien right behind you. Like there's not an alien right behind me, and then she turns around, there's no more alien. Like he Shadow is like experiencing these things that are obviously magical. They are obviously paranormal. They are gods, and he is like pretty slow to maybe not catch on, but I think accept that these things are happening. And it takes like the he's very a, big events well, that happen. He's a firm end. non-believer. Yes, right. He is a non. He yeah, right. And I think that is the point of his character. Exactly. That he is the non-believer, and that's why right. he's so desirable for Mister Wednesday. He, he kind of doesn't right. believe that it's happening, so to him, it actually doesn't happen. Right. And that's kind of mm-hmm. like the whole crux, I guess. The whole crux yeah. is that their yeah. power comes from faith and belief. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> By the time you get to the end of the first season, like he's a believer, right? Kinda, right. You know? But you that's have like him, his arc. You have exactly. him as the skeptic, right. a the audience target for like, well, the, because you are sort of thrown into this series, like not knowing what are the boundaries and limits of what's going on and exactly how um, these people have their power, these gods have their power, and Shadow is your audience target for learning that stuff. But also, he's playing a role as a skeptic, where you is maybe the audience member is ready to accept Except. that yeah. all this yeah right these are gods this is what the show is like it's called right. american gods but he is the skeptic in the way that like he it takes a lot for him to readily accept that this stuff is going on yeah now bernadette and i have had a lot of discussion about this so it's good to have someone that hasn't read the book beforehand 
And Bernadette was feeling that, uh, if, if I may speak for you, that uh, it was a little too obvious that mm-hmm. like the the idea of Wednesday being Odin is kind of spoiled. They they do say his name in a lot of a lot oh, of different names that yeah. he's taken on, yeah. and it's definitely there for you to pick up on. And uh, I I do think it definitely was more obvious, but I, I also think that for it to be made and adapted for TV, it kind of needed to be a little bit more obvious. But I was wondering what you might have thought about that. Sure. Um, they do say, they do call him, Chernobog calls him by a different name, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. A green In like episode three or four, yeah. yeah. And so at the time I was just like, okay, um, I'm going to take this and I'm going to go to google.com and type <laughs> in that name into google.com. And when you find read out. the book, you do a lot of google.coming too. Because so, yeah. you meet weird characters and you're like, oh wait, that's a weird name. But yeah. I mean, as a viewer, like I'm the kind of viewer that for a show, like foundational TV show for me was, and I think this has been talked about to death on these podcasts, but like Lost mm-hmm. and having the water cooler kind of engagement to a show and being able to pick apart that mystery and especially like discuss that mystery and go into it and like really dig into a show like that is what I come to TV for. That's why I come mm-hmm. to week to week television, serialized television especially. You like that um, communication. I like the mystery the and I like the yeah. the puzzle and I like the pulling apart the puzzle right. and being engaged in it in that way. So as a viewer like that, yeah, it was obvious to me because I went I I sought that out. But I right. think if you're the casual viewer or you're you could make the choice to say I'm not going to pursue the mystery. I'm going to let it come to me, and maybe it's less obvious. But yes, from maybe the first or second episode, I was like, okay, this is old gods versus new gods. And the old gods are your traditional old gods, and your new gods are the media and the internet and the world and the interconnected world. And the old gods are losing their stake in humanity via these new gods because people are losing their faith in your sort of tried and true religious old school gods to they now worship the internet and the media yeah. and so on right. sit down at the idol or the the mm-hmm. altar of television the altar of media which is their television they've, right. they've got it in every yeah. family room which i think is a really cool bit of symbolism right and, and it's yeah it's 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 interesting to me that gaiman wrote the book what in 2001 2001 so out, like yeah the media and the internet were a very different thing in 2001. So it's interesting to see, and from what I've heard from the book, it's interesting to see how the Brian Fuller, the showrunner of the show, which I want to talk about him more further on, but um, adapting this show for 2017 and sort of updating like the ideas that Gaiman kind of put forward in the book originally Mm -hmm. and adapting them to how current society treats the media and the internet today like i think that's interesting yeah and that's only like from what i've heard anecdotally from the book i'm curious to see what you guys think of that yeah because i think to your point like the way your expectation going in from the book to what the show is now like there's a certain amount of you have to kind of relinquish to the idea that this is gonna be its own thing and maybe especially in the case of like taking words out of one character's mouth and putting it in a different character's mouth. Sometimes it's just if the idea that he's going for is still within that general lexicon of the book, but like applying it to a more modern take, you're going to have to do some kind of rearranging. There's a forthcoming scene that will take place in season two. I was hoping it was going to be the season finale of this season, but it wasn't. The showrunners talked about it being the big, obvious place to end it. You're talking about mm-hmm. the House of Rock. Yes. Yeah. Um, that forthcoming scene 
to me, is the moment in the book where, as a reader, you understand what it's about, but they don't show their hand until that particular scene. Right. And I think the show revealed its hand too soon. I think it took away some of the thrill of getting to that particular moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that the show, while it is awesome to watch, I think it's so well shot. I think the saturation of the colors is Mm -hmm. beautiful. I love the music. Mm -hmm. I just think it doesn't have that reveal that the book had for me personally. And I think it doesn't trust its audience enough to be engaged without like showing you pretty much mm-hmm. everything. I feel like they, in the beginning of the season, they did trust their audience. And then somewhere in there, someone was just like, they're not going to fucking get it. So you guys better clear this up real I quick. I mean, around yeah. Chernobog, it makes, it's pretty clear that he is recruiting people for a war and that they are drawing yeah. a line in the sand between old gods and new gods. Um, and that, for me, was pretty clear as well. But I've also spoken to people that watch the show that maybe are not... I don't want to, like, you know, take their perspective as Sorry. any, you know, less than ours. But, like, they're saying, well, I don't really know what's going on in the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think especially the way it's shot. Because, like, yeah, sure, the reveal was not as momentous for you. But you've already had it revealed for you. So it's kind of hard to really take... That perspective on how the show teases out the reveal when you already know. Like, everything that they're doing is in the context of the reveal that you already know. But if you didn't have that information going in, maybe it would be less obvious because you're already contextualizing everything that's happening. Part of the reveal seemed to have a lot of... it, it, It seemed to be gods that we're familiar with. So there was a bunch of versions of Jesus, like all the different versions of everyone's <laughs> yeah. idea of Jesus, which is great. I really like that in the book. Yeah. That's a yeah. good thing. Really good. Was like, of course there's awesome. there's a black Jesus and a Mexican Jesus yeah. and like there are many and there's of Jesus. Jesus yeah. getting wasted sitting in the pool, yeah. turning the pool water into wine and that's hilarious. And then he drops his glass and then he, he drops can't his glass. Yeah and he can't get it because he can't go walks on water. <laughs> right. And like right. that was I really liked how they did that. But it's weird because uh, I mean it kind of makes sense they used that to show you because uh, that's how a lot of people are going to be really be relating to the show. Whereas instead, there's that. Uh, what hopefully the viewers will see in the second season is there's all of these old gods, these kind of forgotten gods in today's culture, coming to life as all kinds of animals and all kinds of like really out there things. That uh, I don't know. Maybe people wouldn't relate to it the same. So that maybe that might be one reason why they decided to have an environment with with the god of Easter and being surrounded by all these different depictions of Jesus, which kind of commandeered Easter's whole persona. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's also possible that, you know, as the book form, they can sort of, because you're taking that, you have more control over the perspective of exactly what you're seeing instead of having a wider lens of seeing it on TV, on the screen. It is maybe a little bit easier to tease out that information and give you more of that funneled kind of Shadow Moon perspective and lose yeah. like sort of the magic or like because you're, you're the way that it's written could show you Shadow's perspective as a character and a skeptic mm-hmm. that maybe you're not quite keen to exactly what is going on on a bigger picture. But like the show takes more perspectives than just Shadow Moon. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think. Maybe it was a conscious decision to say, like, we're not going to keep the grander battle that's going on here as a mystery yeah. for as long, but instead we're going to play in that space 
a little more and show you a little more of like those puzzle pieces or those chess pieces actually moving. I think it literally makes the show longer though. Because if you did just have Shadow Moon as your protagonist in a way that like the only scenes that you have in the show are going to be with him, mm-hmm. the show will be shorter. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, you have to that's why that's why we have a lower moon episode. It'd be yeah. a mini series you know? as opposed to Maybe five right. seasons. Which I which I still think right. that, you know, the show might have been like I hope the show doesn't go beyond like two or three seasons. I think yeah. three three seasons probably max. Just from gauging where they've gone. So I was far. surprised that they were even able to stretch the amount that they have to the amount I that think they, they wanted two, maybe I, from what I've read, they were hoping that they might be able to stretch it into three. Okay. But that makes or maybe me more a if more they hopeful. Yeah. I mean, back and forth. that's also a reality of modern TV, right? It's true. Is when you put this much effort into starting a series like this, you want it to go on for a while. Yeah. You're seeing it with with I've you've seen it t- time and time again with series splitting their final seasons into two seasons. Exactly. You're seeing it right now with Game of Thrones. Like the reality is, you get more money. You can get more advertising money if you have two seasons yeah. rather than one. Just like Harry and Potter with the last film. Also, yeah. you can split your budget. You can funnel more money into a, a more dense season by splitting them up. And mm-hmm. this season, this first season only had eight episodes. So. Right. Well, it's interesting because they made it, uh, I guess it would be more dense by adding another aspect with the Laura timeline. Like the, the Laura stories in the book. You, you kind of get some inferences and you get some mentions about what she's been up to, but you don't get that in-depth her traveling with Sweeney. Yeah, at all. Which that's, is cool. That's made I enjoy those character, right? You get two full that, episodes that, that of just Laura Moon's perspective, mm-hmm. which I think is... Maybe we could get more into detail about those, but I yeah. think it's good that they flesh out that character. Yeah. Like, she has her own motivations. Exactly. I like I her character, good. definitely. I think it's very well acted, but I yeah. will say that it takes up a lot of the story, and it's probably the main factor of how much the story changes. Exactly. As the lore moon part. I mean, and, yeah. and the, the final episode definitely, with the Easter plot, mm-hmm. definitely is there for Laura's character as well, because she's going after that resurrection bit. But And that's yeah. not revealed until almost the very end of the book. Okay. Of like Interesting. What, what what happened to her and why? Right. But she finds mm-hmm. out then the pretty season. quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But of course Shadow doesn't. So maybe maybe that's going to be something that we're just. Yeah. You know, all she said was, yeah. "Can I speak to my husband?" It's going to be a lot of dramatic yeah. irony until. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It really seems like Laura. They're positioning Laura Moon as the aspect that could draw Shadow away from being a participant with Mister Wednesday because. Right. Really, these are gods that are manipulating humans to do, you know, they prove that with, with Laura Moon. Mm-hmm. I think we should get more into Laura Moon. Like She's in, so much more in the show than, like, I remember. Because it's been, it's been a little while since I read the book. It's been, like, almost, like, I think it's been over a year. So, like, some things are foggy. But, like, I remember Laura Moon obviously being in the book. But, like, she, like, in this first season, she's, like, really in there doing stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. You almost see more of her than you do of Shadow. Which is like, which I'm not, like, that's the thing, like, I kind of, I understand, like, kind of the gripe with, like, having Shadow be the audience surrogate because then, like, some of these bigger, like, heavy-hitting, mysterious moments, like, could be better revealed. We get to see it. But then that being said, 
I do really like the the first Laura Moon episode. The second one is not my favorite. You said the Essie McGowan story was not. Oh, uh, not for me. No, but like oh, the first... I felt the same way. I hated really? that episode. Really? I was so checked out. Of that Especially because it's like the it's like the third to last episode of the season or the second to last yeah. episode of the season. I'm like, you guys are gonna do this right now? It's it moves kind of slowly. But... It's one of my favorite coming to America stories in the book. It's Essie mm-hmm. Trigowin in the book. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they changed that very subtle thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's they great. were so like over the head with the Mad Sweeney part. It's like very subtle as yeah. to how Mad Sweeney got over here. Yeah. They, they refer to her coming over and that she was like a thief and they tell her story, but they're not like, by the way, the guy that she brought is Mad Sweeney. Like, it's, yeah, it's so, not like that. It's but, just like very... But that's kind of silly though, because really the, he, she shouldn't be anyone coming to America. Like they all of a sudden, when they're believed of in America, they all of a sudden are a new version. It's not necessarily that the old gods come to America. It's right. that there's the so new gods. They're, yeah, the they're, they're, they're the American version. They're the American version. version. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's not really the same, though. Sure. Well, so do you guys want to step back and talk about like, because I I want to talk about all the characters kind of more in depth, but like okay. the sort of rules that they're establishing in the show in general of like how you feel about the way they present that kind of stuff and reveal that kind of stuff to the audience. Let me clarify, too, that I am very much into the whole, like, you're getting to see this through Shadow's eyes. I do really enjoy that aspect of the book. But I think another big part of the book that I like is that it's a fairly quiet book. Right. It's kind of about American life, your day-to-day dealings. It's mostly a road trip, you know. And how so much goes on behind the veil that you don't realize. But it's a very quiet Americana based story. And the show just seems so loud to me because of how visual it is, which is beautiful. Incredible. But I think it tells the story in a very loud way. Mm -hmm. Whereas the book tells it in a very soft, quiet way Mm -hmm. and says like, you know, this is could kind of. happen to any of us. Yeah. The I think book the show or the the show takes away that relatability. The book the you're book kind has. of like waiting for it's like, oh I can't wait for them to kind of like go under the veil and go back to God world or like to give, like, give us more of these moments or the show's kind of like doing it out pretty freely, mm-hmm. which is like because of like, you know, it's an aesthetic it's it's a visual medium, so like you can get away with doing that and like Brian Brian Fuller is just like, you know, he loves making pretty stuff. Yeah. As we learned it in Hannibal and and this show is fucking gorgeous. It's incredible. It's one of the best yeah. shot shows. I mean, made. like, I really loved... You and I became friends pretty much because you, we were the only people that we knew that had saw seen Hannibal. Hannibal so like, really we trying to keep friends. season four going. Never <laughs> uh, no, past season... Like, it's a miracle that that show went on for as long as it did in yeah. the first place, I think. Right. But um, And I'm really excited to see Brian Fuller be able to take the gloves off because the kind of stuff that he got away with in Hannibal was pretty miraculous in the first place. Yeah. I mean, we're talking have you either of you guys seen mm-hmm. Hannibal? I need to. Yeah. I really good. Because so good. That show, just as a quick aside, like that show started as a pretty typical like procedural like mystery with some of the context already of having Hannibal as like a fictional character mm-hmm. built in, sort of, but it ran with it in its own way. But it sort of like it almost does a bait and switch. I feel like with the Similar first, like, the first yeah. season, almost like Mr. Robot. It's like Mr. Robot, yeah. So like it's... the first season, you have a pretty procedural like cop drama mm-hmm. that switches by the second season to like this very surreal mystery, um, and then by the third season, Brian Fuller has just gone like full like 
lots of house, shit art like, house movie yeah like yeah. just long and you see that kind of style in American Gods of like long scenes very detailed close up shots mm-hmm. the kind of like um, cacophonous music going on I like to call it noise jazz I don't know if <laughs> anybody else calls it that but that is I like the like just sort of like yeah. the like slow beautiful scenes that most of them take place in like literal slow motion um, mm-hmm. it, I think of the scenes in Italy in Hannibal as like, oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Because that's really when, like, I mean, like, this show really is an extension of his kind of, like, visual medium. You he know? has a very distinct like style. Like, sensibility. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. watching the first episode and, like, you know, I, I've seen the last episode of Hannibal fairly recently. Um, it only, like, stopped airing, like, last year, really. Right. Um, so, like, seeing, like, I remember watching the first episode of American Gods. I was like, oh, yeah, the guy who made Hannibal fucking mm-hmm. made, made the this shit show. out of this yeah. show. You can see yeah, it. Yeah, it's... Oh, it's plastered all over it. And that's the interesting thing because I think he had to sneak that into Hannibal because it was a show on I think it was what, NBC. NBC. Yeah. It and, was, yeah. Yeah, which is fucking amazing that he was able to get away with the stuff that he did because you have your normal like NBC viewers watching this shit that's like, like if you try to put the new season of Twin Peaks works because it's on Showtime and he can, David Lynch can do whatever he wants. It's if you amazing. try to put that stuff on like your 8 o'clock slot on right. NBC it would not happen. Now looking back, it's amazing to even think that Twin Peaks was made for ABC back in the day. Exactly. Like the original Twin Peaks. Right. It's amazing that that show but even, even made it. There, yeah, you, you can see... You have to wonder what it would have been... Without that. You can yeah. see the stylistic differences, and we'll, we'll talk about Twin Peaks in the future, but yes. you can see the stylistic differences between the return and the original. Because right. the original, again, was like, started as you're pretty, very quirky, but sort of like... It was a procedural, right. um, not procedural, but Cop, it, yeah, it was drama. it was a small town murder mystery right. show, and right. now it's become. I mean, like you look at it, episode eight, you can't show that on a regular network. Different, yeah. Like, normal audience don't take that, and I think that's like American Gods, and also to a lesser degree, like Legion and right. some of these shows that are coming out now. It's kind of amazing that TV is having this sort of like weird renaissance where you have shows that trust their audience to have a level of patience that I don't mm-hmm. think is like common in the normal mainstream t- television. Yeah. Finally, it's becoming a little more experimental. Yeah, it's very experimental. Wonderful. And this show I think really is is one of the prime examples of how you can use television as a medium but also have artistic creativity that you couldn't get away with right. from most just regular mainstream audiences. Well, I know, Robbie, this is something that you really like about American Gods. Mm-hmm. Is that you really enjoyed that basically almost every episode starts with a coming to America story. Yeah. You get to learn I, a little bit more about the gods. I think it's good because, like, I do think that, like, as when people don't, like, my roommate didn't read the book and, like, he was like, I really like the show, but I'm, like, having trouble understanding what's going on. But I think having that, like, familiar structural is, like, really integral to, like, getting people on board. It's like, all right, there's always this weird vignette in the beginning that might take place in the past or it's like kind of weird and then we kind of get back to like our main story so i like i really do like that structure mm-hmm. um and it kind of goes away or like kind of changes a little bit as the season goes on which is like i guess it could have gotten old if they just like stuck to like the first 10 minutes of every episode is going to it's be a lot of gods it's a lot of gods for sure mm-hmm. um but i do really like the ways the, the like the mr nancy story is like really cool and then like the first episode you know, the Odin episode is like mm-hmm. that's that's one of the best scenes of the whole show. It's the yeah. first five minutes. It's like, holy shit, this is awesome. And you really see his treatment for like vivid colors and the blood, especially. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. It's like he makes violence beautiful. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's very hyper realistic yeah. over the top. Uh-huh. It yeah. kind of sets the tone for what you're gonna expect. 
Definitely. But even that that in that scene, you see the the fight scene of that scene, just these like slow sweeping shots of like blood being kind of spewed and like yeah. and the kind of like just clicky sort of noisy music that he yeah. throws in there over it's just noise feels jazz. very noise jazz yeah, yeah it feels very it is unsettling to but beautiful in a way that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do love I forget which episode it is by number but I think my favorite coming to America story was the Unini episode where they open and it's animated and I thought oh, yeah. that was awesome yeah. it kind of really like changed it up yeah oh that one was cool yeah and because i know that the fuller and later, michael yeah. green you know they wanted to make it so ethereal and right. so different looking and yeah. they didn't know how to do it and then it clicked there was like let's animate it yeah. instead and so yeah they're really taking a lot of really cool risks with this show mm-hmm. they're kind of fresh mm-hmm. but i mean the, the show in general is a show about influence and and context and experience in america and how Mm -hmm. there are so many different experiences um especially when you are coming to america from a different place and i think the way that they use those vignettes to sort of give you all those different perspectives and how the greater influence of your new gods and your old gods affect those people is really interesting and I think they're they're able to use those coming to America segments especially to like show the viewer different contexts mm-hmm. and different perspectives and how you know you you can have this um, the, people's lives be influenced I mean one of my favorites is um, the one that starts on the slave ship oh, oh the Mr. Nancy, Nancy. Oh, Mr. Nancy. Mr. Nancy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he is Related out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that speech is amazing, great. Yeah, he it's seems awesome. like he is like one of the only gods who feels like he's truly in charge right. of his destiny. Right, and he takes charge, and he is an amazing character. Yeah, which in the book at this point we wouldn't even have met Mr. Nancy yet. Right, um, in season one, if yeah. they would have followed it to a T, but they included him, and he, he's so well done. Orlando Jones, is he's a great character. Owning this, he's role. not who I would have pictured. If I, when I was imagining it in my head, I when thought I read older it, dude. I thought yeah. older. I yeah. thought like a little chubbier dude. But you know, I loved Orlando. See, I Jones. thought, I thought, like, I thought he'd be like an older, like skinnier, shorter, like black dude. And yeah. then, like, when I you see him be shorter. like a spider, but like the way that they portray him in this, I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, he's like a very flamboyant, like over the top guy. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I like that's good. That's good too. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. He's one of my favorite casting choices for this. Definitely. Really? Uh, yeah, there's and, some real good ones in this mm-hmm. for sure. And has anyone read? Uh, the uh, the and Nancy boys. No, I heard it's really good though. And yeah, I mean, it's another really good one that really delves a lot more into his persona. Even though he's dead most of the book, it's talking about his way to go, Heath. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's like right off the bat, it's talking about right. his sons and his how they deal with it. But yeah. uh, it's really interesting, and you see a lot more of that their experience trying to think of like or trying to trying to experience the fact that they're learning that their father was a god maybe like and it's, so it's kind of the same sort of discovery that shadow goes through and how they embrace it in different ways mm. yes and it's really cool to see that brought to life in this show though right i wonder I if they'll really go exciting. into that a little bit in the show american oh Lives. i think it'd be a fantastic nod i mean if they're already including him this much and he's such a strong character mm-hmm. they might choose to include a little bit of it i would imagine but yeah we'll find out mm-hmm. good yeah for sure well we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into characters cool. because cool. really like 
diving in there and getting into the nitty gritty and kind of discussing what we liked and didn't like True. about the characters okay. and the changes perhaps that maybe didn't need to be made or we're glad that they made them. For sure. All right. back into American Gods and we're going to get into characters now and what we like, what we didn't like, um, aspects of why they came into the story when they did. Um, a lot of characters in the show have stepped in a lot earlier than what they do in the book. Um, Easter being the most predominant character that's heavily portrayed in the show and not so much in the book at this point. But I will start to say that um, Mr. Wednesday is my favorite character in the show so far. Mm. I love Ian McShane's <clears throat> portrayal of Mr. Wednesday. Ian McShane is great. He is yeah. killing it. Anytime. He's so charismatic, and I find him <clears throat> very compelling and attractive. Anytime he, he gets the opportunity yeah. to choose scenery in any show, he's just fucking great. And that is, he is just like chomping every single scene that he's in it's great yeah he's also he really is perfect casting for the character because like Absolutely. he's he's like one one for who he is in the book like it's just like oh, oh yeah. yeah that is exactly if anything is like a little bit more charismatic but like it is really like exactly who i'd imagine this character to be on the tv show but even Definitely. like just right off the bat you just get the the feeling that he is in control of every situation that he is in. oh yeah he, he he says in the very first episode when he meets Shadow, he's like, I have a particular ability to get what I want anytime I want. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. he just gets what he wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the book, they do a good job, too, of showing that he can be very skeezy, but you never hate him. Right. You never yeah. dislike him for right. how skeezy he treats young women mm -hmm. or how repulsive he can act to get the thing that he needs. Yeah. And yeah, in the show, it's so well done. He's just such a believable character right his, yeah. his motivations are gross most of the time like yeah, he is definitely. just he is manipulating people around him to get what he wants but the yeah. reason that he's always so successful in doing that is because he can charm you basically into doing that mm -hmm. into doing whatever he wants which when you find out that that's what he's all about kind of makes him much more despicable really in a way though it's it, you're kind of tricked into having a lot of empathy for him but did he really like that, the young girl that he's seducing in the scene early when Shadow's still mourning his wife, like he, he catches him with a really young lady. Now, did he convince her to leave her significant other to sleep with him? Or was it a charm? Like he's, I mean, if, if you're really looking at it, he's kind of raping her. Well, if you're, if you, in a really strong way. Yeah, I, but I mean, like, the point is, he can smooth talk his way to get anybody to do anything he yeah. wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, he. And he does that to Shadow in the first scene. Exactly. I mean, in the first episode, he smooth talks Shadow. Shadow's but not also, about it, but then he, he does it anyway. It's <clears> not <throat> just smooth talking. Also, it's also like posturing because we find out by the end of the season that everything that happened to Shadow, Mr. Wednesday put into place. He orchestrated. He yeah. orchestrated it to get what he wants. So it's like it, that is the more despicable thing. Is it's he's not only charming you into doing what he wants you to do. He's mm -hmm. manipulating the pieces around you to get you into a place of vulnerability so that he can charm you into it. Yeah, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you really want you're made to empathize with Shadow, and since Mr. Wednesday's in the company of Shadow and his his employer and Mr. and so, since Shadow trusts him, you kind of want to trust Sh uh, Mr. Wednesday as well, which is really 
kind of a tricky part of both the book and the show. Well, it seems to, especially in the show, they don't really get into this in the book that much, but it seems like Shadow kind of almost needed a wake-up call in his own life because he will pretty much do whatever anyone wants him to do because Laura also manipulates him in the same way that Wednesday Mm -hmm. does. He's just a very malleable human being. He doesn't really stand up for himself. No, and he's such a, a huge imposing figure. But he's like very insecure. He is very, yeah. very insecure. But I also think that's what makes Laura's character interesting as well, because she's not a god, but she still also, as a woman, has the ability to, not necessarily because she's a woman, but just part of her character is her manipulating Shadow, especially like doing the the, the heist that lands them that in the situation that they start in at the beginning of the series. like, mm-hmm. And also with her and Mad Sweeney. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, Laura is constantly manipulating people around her to get yeah. what she is after. Yeah, and I think if I may use this as a way to almost segue the conversation, the, the choice of uh, using Emily Browning as Laura and as Ewan McGowan. Essie. Essie McGowan, thank you. Uh, in the Coming to America story, which I know not everyone is as big a fan of, but using the same actress to portray both characters kind of shows her in a cunning light in both ways. And I don't know if they're showing that she's, uh, they're acknowledging another uh, belief system that she might be reincarnated as that person, or maybe it's just kind of a way of showing that, like, yeah, she is cunning like this other character. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's kind of interesting. It seemed like that was more of a vehicle to empathize with Mad Sweeney. Mm-hmm. I felt mm-hmm. like that was used to propel his character forward and his motives and why he wants to see her succeed because he has wronged her in the past. Yeah, and that's definitely part of it, I think, for sure. Like, Mm -hmm. he definitely feels badly and he's remembering his past. I liked that casting choice because I enjoy ensemble casts and I like to see the same actors get reused to portray Mm -hmm. different characters, especially when the timeline is vast and you can have centuries ago and have someone else or some the same actor play a different character. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy that. So I don't know if I believe the motives that you were just saying hmm. about like the reincarnation aspect. I think very much so that Shadow built Laura into a goddess. Because Laura, when you when we first see her, she's in like a rut. She's just going to work at the casino every day. Right. She's breathing she her bug home. poison in her hot tub. She almost commits <laughs> like we, suicide. Like we all do. Like we all do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Shadow coming along... And kind of saving her and then putting her up on this pedestal where she can do no yeah. wrong kind of makes a goddess out of her. Well, it's kind yeah. of interesting if you think yeah, about Essie. She she was branded a thief and then so she became one. So in this current, in, in her, her current stage as, as Laura, she was branded as what? And now she has totally opened up and become a different person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think her, her character, like, pre-death, pre-death, post-death is, like... I don't want to say confusing to me, but I'm like, I almost wonder, like, how much did she really love Shadow before she died? And now she's, like, completely obsessed and factuated with him because, mm-hmm. like, she kind of has to be. It's yeah. like, almost like her mm-hmm. curse to be like, I love Shadow. I wronged him. I want to do that. But uh, uh, Laura Moon, who hasn't died, I don't think would would be kind of indifferent to Shadow. Well, when she died, right. she was remorseful. And she mm-hmm. was thinking about her love for Shadow and maybe what she would have done and yeah. what, what she regretted about that. Because she wasn't feeling great when she died. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe as her final kind yeah. of mindset, she really latched on to that. 
I mean, we definitely know her coming back to life is not a part of the master plan that Wednesday has put in order. She's definitely a variable and a hitch. For sure, not. Yes. Which is definitely, it's very interesting for that character. Because then it's like, her seeing Shadow or being able to track Shadow is not a part of the master plan. So, like, it's her own design. Um, it's interesting to see, like, when you make, where, where will that lead? Like, you know, it's like a dog chasing a, <clears throat> a male truck. It's like, like a mailman's like, what are you going to do when you catch it? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, what right. is she going to do when she gets Shadow? Well, I think you see that, too, in her character as she's pursuing Shadow. She's she When she's with Mad Sweeney, she's like, no, I love Shadow. I'm doing this for Shadow. And he, it's kind of like, do you actually? Yeah. Like, yeah. And she's like, well, I am now. Which yeah. is like, yeah. I think she has like a line like that. She's like, maybe I didn't before, but that's literally the only thing that keeps me alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I love that line. Well, maybe you should have had a fucking Tic Tac. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, your breath tastes like cigarettes and death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think she's a character that in the book... I already really enjoyed reading about mm-hmm. and in the show how many things they change for the adaptation in the show I still really like Laura and I yeah. I kind of dig the emphasis on her character I think it adds a lot to the story in a way that a lot of the other changes don't I, I enjoy it I, I kind of go back and forth on Laura because I appreciate that she is a strong character on her own that has her own motivations but at the same time for the same reason that you could see Mr. Wednesday as a despicable character, she is getting what she wants by manipulating other people. Yeah. And so I like the fact that she's a strong character, but also sometimes have issues with her methods of getting what she wants. So like I think that makes a good character to have a character that yeah. at times you like and at times you really dislike. Yeah, definitely. Um, and especially, I think that might be why, to go back to episode 7, with the coming to America story about Essie McGowan, like I think also I just didn't think that it, that episode was very engaging or interesting. I caught myself getting kind of distracted and mm-hmm. bored during that episode. Yeah, it moves a lot slower than it's, everything else. It does, it, and it really throws a wrench in the pacing of like moving towards the finale, like especially being the penultimate episode. It felt like everything just kind of came to a screeching halt with that, especially because the only forward movement really outside of that coming to America story was. Her and Mad Sweeney being on a road trip and her crashing the, the truck and then mm-hmm. getting back in the truck and continuing on. So it's like nothing has really Why changed. Right. Yeah. Nothing has really moved. So it felt like a kind of a stall or yeah. of an episode. It's a long time to show that, that Mad Sweeney has a little bit of empathy. Right. right. Exactly. Mean, and like you can of... sort of get that out of con like that like empathy just from the way he acts over the course of the first six episodes like mm-hmm. he very much could just yeah get that well i mean aside from the fact that laura moon is also like has superhuman strength but yeah. he could just bail on her at any time yeah. this is a very quick aside and i don't think we should get into this too heavily but in watchmen the graphic novel sure there is a smaller comic book story happening within the greater context of watchmen right the meta narrative. And, yes mm-hmm. and i think that that story while it was very cool and not um, the, the Watchmen story, is what you're talking about. but the Black uh, Frigate, mm-hmm. Black Frigate, that's yes, it. Yeah. Black Frigate, similar idea though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same idea. yeah. I think the Essie McGowan story, while very cool, definitely ruined the pacing of the show. Should have maybe happened a little earlier, or, or yeah. even like maybe. another story within the episode. Exactly, not the full episode. I think that yeah. the problem was that they took it and made it into its own episode instead yeah. of like sprinkling it in and, and made like, the current episode is kind of like the part that filters in 
yeah. in between. Because right. in like the next episode, you go to uh, what is it, uh, Mister Nancy's like tailor shop, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that seems like. He came into um, Vulcan's house. They were in Vulcan's house still in that oh. scene where he came and was like making the clothing for them. Oh, okay. Yeah. But still, that, that yeah. scene's like very Ooh, like. I did not like it's that. To- it really like, it totally like, it's like sandpaper against it. Like mm-hmm. jumping from like that like episode right into like this very intense, like picking up where the pizza's left off. Right. Bombastic, very meta, like Mr. Nancy's like. He's like, I'm going to tell you the story anyway, even though you know I'm going to tell you a story. And I'm just like, I'm not as into this. Like, don't give me, like, some meta shit right now. We're at the last episode of the season, and that's, like, not really what the show's about. And, like, or should not really be coming from this character. If you want media or, like, one of the new gods to give me some, like, meta narrative, I'll take that. But not really from him. And it was just, like, you know, it was a very, like, uh, forced, like, we're going to shove this coming to America story in your face. <laughs> and it was, so- like, very tonally not matching with the previous episode. Right. Jack, um, to give you a little insight, when you first meet Mr. Nancy, when you first meet the majority of the gods yep. in the book, you meet them in this one scene, and they're trying to convince the, the old gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mr. Wednesday is trying to recruit them all for this war. And that's where you first see Mr. Nancy. Mm-hmm. And he tells a story to try to convince and rally all of the old gods to Wednesday's side. Mm. In the show... Yeah, Mr. Nancy has that scene where he's, like, trying to convince Wednesday of something. And it's it like, you're not weird. convincing him. It's like, such a weird to. scene that's getting, like, the the acting, like, everyone's, like, performing at, like, 110%. But I'm like, what yeah. are you guys even, like, what's the point? What's going on yeah. right now? Like, why are we, what, what's happening? Because it's like, you're really, like, thrown back into it. And it's because, like, the Laura Moon uh, coming to America, like, Matsuni stories, like, just, like, stops the pacing much like the car accident of their ice cream truck that gets flipped over it just like stops the momentum of the show entirely right and it's just like you're gonna do that the penultimate episode of the season like which is why well for one I do like that you get a Brian Fuller car crash because it looks awesome yes (laughs) but at the same time she just flips over the fucking truck and they keep going anyway there's just no consequence they show you you that that in that case she loses the coin so it is the ultimate like uh, show of Sweeney's empathy towards her where he yeah. puts the coin back into her. Right. But then she just gets back up, flips over the truck and is like, let's keep going. So it's like, yeah, in general, the last two episodes of this season did not work for me as well as the rest There's some, of the, Yeah, I think the last episode really has like, some good stuff in it, but it does not hit as hard as some Definitely they lost their footing, I think, in the last two episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. And Mad Sweeney in, in the book... Shadow has told him, I don't have your coin anymore. Sorry, I gave it to someone else. Right. And Matt Sweeney never knows who has the coin. Okay. He never meets Laura Moon. Interesting. That's not a connection at all. Mm-hmm. Which I like seeing those two actors play off of each other. Yeah. That's enjoyable to watch. It's a cool pairing. But it doesn't necessarily work for the purpose of the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's... Matt Sweeney in the book is like... Much. He's a drug addict, right? Like mm-hmm. He's like a really like down in his luck like... He's fucked an up. And- yeah, he's like super fucked up, and like that's a lot of the reason he's like kind of like swayed into doing things because like he needs a fix. He needs a fix. Yeah, so that's why like the change to his character in the show to make him kind of just like he's just kind of doofy and a well, lesser god. I'm like I'm not as into that. I know? like the idea of using Mad Sweeney as a vehicle of showing how the old gods could fall out of favor because that is his like vehicle. He mm-hmm. has a line where he says we were kings mm-hmm. and then they made us 
birds birds yeah, and then general most general of the rest yeah. yeah and that's a really good like it shows you the the way that belief is power in this world and how as a leprechaun he you know when you go far back in the lore they were these mythical figures and then the way that beliefs changed drag him mm-hmm. down and now at he is you know he is an alcoholic in the show he is down on his yeah he is fucked up in the show and they show that in the very first episode when they introduce him that he's like mm-hmm. just in this bar and all he wants to do is fight yeah because yeah. he has come it's he has fallen so far mm-hmm. yeah maybe in like season two i'll get more of kind of what i was looking for from the book and like maybe he even falls kind of further from grace right um and you know that would be good that would satisfy me as a reader of the book well, he's certainly posed for you it. You guys have a lot of baggage going into this from reading the book. It's one of the best books ever written, and it's, I think, all, it's like one of our top five favorite books of each of us yeah. who's read it, you know, like, so. it's a really incredible And it was funny, story. because I talked to Robbie maybe about halfway through the season, and you were still really hot on it. I was hot. I didn't, I, I didn't get as far as it yet, though. had become lukewarm on it, yeah. and then, yeah. It has such a strong, it has some of the strongest, like, first few episodes of, like, any show I've ever seen. The first few it episodes punches are really, so really hard. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it has one of the, like, it's a show that you're like, this show won't fall to the trappings of, like, a normal TV show. It's so out there and weird. And then you kind of see it start falling to the trappings. To bend its knee a little bit. Yeah. It, it seems like, like they oh, spent damn. their weird juice early on in the yeah, show. Yeah. They busted the load a little bit. Which is the early. opposite of what Brian Fuller did with Hannibal. With, like Hannibal, I said, he, he sort like, of had to, like, it. get yeah. his foot in the door there with kind of normal procedural TV and then flip the switch where it seems like this they like punched in with yeah. some really weird out there stuff and then and did then, more procedural kind of normalize yeah what we see in tv shows nowadays i wonder if because i hadn't watched hannibal or much other stuff from mm-hmm. from him that i really thought that it was it was very vivid off the bat and i was yeah. like oh wow this is weird this is a little bit different and then I, I grew into it more. Maybe it's because I got more used to that style or maybe because I, uh, yeah, or just didn't want to give it a shot right off the beginning. But I, I definitely liked it more as it went on. Yeah. And I definitely do still feel very optimistic about it, even though I'm not as into the last couple episodes. Yeah. I'm very excited to see what it does. I mean, we've only had eight episodes so far, so it's hard to really say conclusively. Right. Yeah. You can have... You know, for a longer running TV series, a couple of episodes that are missteps. You know, it's 100%. just the fact of TV. It's you have different directors per episode, so you can have episodes right. that shine a lot brighter than other ones. Uh, so to say conclusively, like that, the show is falling off the rails after eight episodes. I think oh, is absolutely not unfair. Even in like, right. even in the in the Mad Sweeney coming to America story, like there's still really good parts of the episode. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. sure. It's just like as a whole, and like its placement, I was just like. Meh. Oh, really? I just couldn't take her fake Irish accent or real Irish accent. I'm not sure what the actress is, at, where she actually is from, but she's not doing it for her me. Name and is generally, Emily Browning. So I, I don't love think she's Irish. I love Irish accents. That right. one was not doing not it for good. me. Not, um, not for you. Oh, I really like. Uh, I guess we we are talking about characters, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we have quite a few characters to like. Well, either we can all talk about different characters or just expand on a few but yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean I think Wednesday was my favorite as well just because yeah. that performance is just like mm. next level you shit you can't argue with the Ian McShane's oh, performance yeah. no, no it's incredible no. but I really liked uh, Media by Gillian uh, Anderson oh yeah, oh, yeah. Anderson. Oh, she's my God. so cool especially the costume work Mm-hmm. Bravo mm-hmm. on that costume. Oh yeah, but like yeah. see, like you know, that's another character from the book that you see in the, in the TV show where it's just like 
oh wow, you guys had a lot of fun with this. This is really cool. Oh, like, you can tell is, she had a blast. Oh yeah, but even like them, like kind of figuring out, it's like, all right, how are we gonna do media on our TV show? It's just like you, you did it. That's like one of the best <laughs> representations of the character. The new gods are like, um, they weren't like not interesting in the book, but. I kind of I like their reimagining in the TV show a lot more, yeah. especially Internet Boy just being the biggest fuck boy you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. He's technical like, boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Technical. Oh, technical boy. That's it. Yeah, it's, I was um, very interested. He's supposed what they to do. He's, they, yeah. He, he changed like, a lot too. He changed a ton. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about how fast technology changes. Mm-hmm. Again, that's that's what Making your internet looks like he's, in 2002 yeah. versus 2017. He's mm-hmm. much more like a YouTube influencer. Yeah. Then he he was kind of like this more chubby. Anti-social nerd. I think they're yeah. kind of going for in the he book. He was acne-ridden yeah. and overweight. Now yeah. he kind of looks right. like a One Direction member. Internet. Probably that's, talks your, about, that's your stereotypical yeah. 2002. He talks about Minecraft person. on YouTube. Like that's what he does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's who this character is. Right, because that is the yeah, like ubiquitous. Like the internet has become such a, it's like a hip pervasive thing yeah. that like everybody is involved with the internet, and the internet is something that you can use to be very successful now it's trendy now very young people who are using the internet as their their device to become successful and they're they're you could it's like the swagger that he goes that he has Mm -hmm. where really he is he is fucking nothing and he gets put in his place in that scene that interrogation scene which is great but he 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 has that like don't fuck with me personality that like kind of um, loud yeah. Um, obnoxious personality that is very much like on the nose nails what yeah. current YouTube fame like internet fame is so he's I think a troll he personified perso- yeah that also he's like mm-hmm. he's just a piece of shit yeah. he's an attractive um, troll like I mean <laughs> right yeah, now yes. you can be yes. right and that's it and yeah. that is like that is such a good characterization of that aspect of the modern media yeah yeah that actor Bruce Lanley I don't know him from anything else I don't think but yeah, he plays really that good. role perfectly. He's good. Kills it. He's yeah. Really good. What's is Mr. World? I don't remember much of Mr. World from the book. And his interpret is how different is he from the show in the book? He has a much larger role in the show. Yeah, because you don't sure. see, you definitely don't see him this early. No, he's like no. way. He's late. like the the shadow boss. Like yeah, the, the one you don't see. That's so like that's like I, it's weird. Like you know, American Gods isn't like it's not like X Men where you can like trace back everyone's power kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit more ambiguous and like rooted in lore. But Mr. World always confused me. I was like, why can he do the things he, mm-hmm. he do? Why does he do them? And this, in this, it makes it seem much more like, oh, he might be like the personification of like the military industrial complex. Like, uh, is, is maybe he is maybe he the reason why they were able to get those aerial photographs of them robbing that bank? And they're all worried. Okay. About so maybe he's like Big Brother, or well, I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting that, but also he is the idea of globalization Mm -hmm. we are we are for sure we're a connected world now Uh much more so than you know in the past where these old gods had their basically tribalism like they could influence a very um secluded tribe of people whereas mr world represents we're all connected nothing gets by here unseen because we live and yes modern day surveillance plays a big part of that where and loss of privacy as well that is all like you know, we have um, relinquished privacy to the modern day technology. Mm-hmm. You know, you plug your, your information into Google and that's just out there. Like Google knows everything about you. Google is listening to this conversation right now. Right. <laughs> so like that idea of like everything is just connected. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he, yeah. That is For his sure. power is being everywhere at once because that is the sort of new media that we have. Yeah. And as creepy as it was, into. like 
he talks about like, oh, you don't need to say anything. I know everything about you. Right. And it, it, I mean, it goes deep, like, because you're like, oh, how far are they going to go? And then all of a sudden it's, this is the face you make when you masturbate. Right. And it's like, oh. (laughs) Even less than military, like that is just, that's advertising. That's the companies that we pay into right now. Oh, yeah. Have that ability. They know everything about you. They know mm-hmm. your shopping habits. They know your masturbation habits. They know everything. Exactly. Yeah. Robbie and Heath, this is going to be probably the hardest thing to talk about. Um, spoiler free is Mr. World. Oh, exactly. Um, like which it's, is... It's, yeah, don't do get love. into anything past season oh, one. Absolutely from here, not. Yeah. book related. Um, I will say Crispin Glover thank kills you. it with this role because he is my boy. He's the best. I've seen him live. I've seen him read one of his books live. Oh, nice. He collects old books and rewrites them includes some of the original text of the book but then puts other words into the book Dead. context and he goes around towards and i've seen how have i not heard of this and i've seen cool. one of his independent films <laughs> yeah um he does a lot of work with actors who have um asperger's or oh wow on the spectrum mm-hmm. or, so he's yeah. the shit he's, he's awesome he's yeah. awesome he's and i've seen a lot of experimental Damn. stuff and he is to me i think they they wanted him for this role and he yeah. took it and well, it's he's amazing. great in the role. Yeah. He's the perfect mix up of someone who is peculiar mm-hmm. and odd, but also intimidating mm-hmm. and threatening and creepy all at once. Like And he knows what to say. Yeah. He's very like um without sounding like kinda of like a broken record, but he's like he's like Joker esque because he's like intimidating but quirky, mm-hmm. you know, and like he well, um, and when they he's ter- him. when he's in the interrogation thing, it's like this guy's terrifying because he's yeah. just right everything and he's so all nice at once. At yeah, time. but he holds. He can be nice because he holds all the cards and he knows that exactly. So he can parlay in that like we, can, um, we don't have to be at war here. Yeah, the power play between him and Wednesday is like right. really interesting because like yeah. in that scene, it's just like well, Mister World probably has all the power, but there's something where Wednesday is just like. Don't fuck, don't fuck with me right now because mm-hmm. like it's not an even playing field. You have field. nothing. Yeah, and this is nothing. He sets him part, himself apart because, and one of my favorite parts that wasn't necessarily, isn't necessarily like huge in the show, but it definitely shows his character a lot is that he makes the offer and then he turns to leave and uh, technological boy is like, what? You have them here. What? And he's like, I was leaving on a good line. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets all pissed off at him. Yeah. And I think that's so funny. Like, it, like I was leaving on a good line. It makes sense also for like a new, for like the new gods to like, for him to want to have this like stage presence mm-hmm. or kind of like this like. He has a level of maturity that necessarily isn't there yeah. in some of the other newer gods because they're so young. Right. There's, he's like the oldest of the new school. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I mean globalization, industrialization—that's kind of what he represents, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. right? But about. what you were getting to, Robbie, to these old gods, presentation is everything. Or to, sorry, to the new yeah. gods, presentation is everything. Is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's how you you know put out a TV show or like what you sell when you sell a right product away. or things like that. Right. It's all about how you position it and mm-hmm. you do that. Whereas like if you're an old god, it's kind of like no, you owe me. Yeah, right. Your you pay tribute is to me. me. Right. Yeah. Right. To where the new gods are, we are now catering to you. Yes, mm-hmm. we and are. In return, we get your, your respect yes. and love. You are buying devotion. into us. Right. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Whereas the old gods just yeah. demand You're it, praying and with think your money. They show time. that with Easter, like that's new. Um, that is Odin. That is Mr. Wednesday's influence on Easter is really yeah. tr- because that was Teaching her whole. Her that was her whole aspect was mm-hmm. like well. 
I'm kind of riding the coattails of this Jesus thing because people are already paying into this Jesus thing. And whereas Mr. Wednesday is like, no, you fucking demand this. Yeah, exactly. They, like, oh. you, they need to ask for this. Show them what they, they, do, show show them what they can lose. Exactly. Show them what they can lose. Yeah. yeah. That was, I think, probably one of my least favorite things in this show. Which takes away spring. Yeah. yeah, with Easter doing That's that very good point, grand though. motion. Because in the book, it's so much more individualistic and quiet. And that was such like a grand thing to show in that last thing. Because humans like aren't picking up on the fact that like the gods are even there. No, it's so behind it's the, the scenes. Fringe. Right. It's yeah. all like out and of the corner of the eye. It's like a, it's more of like a it's like a the book me. is much more of like a cold war yes. where it's like escalating. It's like you like you Absolutely. know like you see people being like we have our guns and they're being like well, we're getting our guns to return. And it's like this like escalation that like will have a boiling point, but it's all under the surface. And that's the cool thing about American Gods. It's like as as normal people, like you never know what's happening under the veil. Mm-hmm. Whereas the show's like here it is. Hey, yeah, it's the normal spring. He's <laughs> yeah. gone. Now. But I think you have to be more deliberate and bombastic with TV, and yes. especially that is Brian Fuller's style. Yeah, is to yeah. be more. And that's kind of been my argument. That's how I've been justifying it, and that's why I enjoy it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can I definitely just... see. I definitely like it. Not to interrupt you, but no, I, I agree with your point where. I do like it more subtle in the book, but I totally get why they, they have to bring in like this kind of audience for the show. Right. And, they and can, if you're going to do it, they did a good job of it. You can also take your time a lot more in a book. Definitely. You know, yeah. you, he, Brian Fuller, or I'm sorry, uh, Neil Gaiman doesn't need to, he can write that book as long as it needs to be. Yes. Whereas Brian Fuller had eight episodes this season to tell a cohesive story, but also, you know, see get the future. Come back and for more. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, and I think. Everyone can kind of agree with this. The reason it happened the way it happened for this first season, um, the epic ending that they could have had, which was the House on the Rock, they decided to postpone because mm-hmm. they've taken one character and really changed her. Right. And now they're going to have like this knife in their back with Bilquis. Mm-hmm. Bilquis was my least favorite character in the show, I would say, because of all of the changes they made to her. She was not like this in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely wanted to update it. Um, in the in the book, she is a prostitute. Okay. And in the show, now she's become a slave to like, Tinder app dating. dating apps. Right. You, mm-hmm. you need your Tinder guy. Or that's, that's how she that's how she gets worshipped. Right. Yes. But she used to be in charge of her own worship because I feel mm-hmm. like prostitution. You're kind of in charge of who you take in. She was like her own John in the book, yeah. essentially. Mm. But now, technical boy has like tricked her and said yeah. like and they kill her in the book like well, I mean, the, the new gods kind of kill her okay <laughs> i'm not spoiling anything here well like, they might still do that in the yeah show. who knows though we don't know but i was surprised she wasn't really on the take for that, that the the, ch- the change here is again i think it's the same thing that you see with the way that they changed technical mm-hmm. boy right mm-hmm. yeah they are updating the idea of a goddess of love to the current state of technology and its yeah. influence right. on love because because now, through internet dating and apps, especially like you are marginalizing uh, human interaction with each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. So in this way, and it's the same. Like they they hit on this in multiple. They also hit on this with Vulcan, which I, as far as I know, is not in the book at all. Okay. But I want to get to that. But as far as Belquis goes, she was an old god. She was the goddess of love mm-hmm. that fell out of favor because the way that we experience that and engage with each other interact with each other especially in the internet age changed a lot right and they brought they used technical boy as bringing in belquis into the 
modern age of dating and romance and using she learns how you can use the internet and use this modern like mm -hmm. take on romance to re-engage like the following like it is a comment on internet dating and tinder and also instagram mm -hmm. and using instagram to have followers and have people because there's this you know this whole this whole idea of or this whole scene of people who like are successful just by being attractive on instagram and having followers that you know using sure. that it to also gain shows power. that like she yeah. is a god who can adapt where the other yeah. gods like that's not even really a they don't want to. That's the whole yeah. point that's, of the they, show. They changed you know? her entirely. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Though. The yeah. root of her character in the book is a very strong character. Yeah. And she's in charge of herself. And I then they took that in the show. Because I think if they would have updated it and just showed instead of being Bilquis who is a prostitute, she's a Bilquis who does Tinder dating and showed her doing that on her own. That's an update enough for me. But, but I the also, fact that they used it as a crux and said, like, all right, well, now she's a slave to the new gods, and she's going to be the way in to kind of manipulate and squander what the old gods are trying to do at House on the Rock. It's just a very different character, which I think could have been handled better. And I think they took away, to me, the importance of who she was, because she resists in the book. But in the show, she's so weak. But it, well, if, I, if it was updated for the for the modern time, and she, like, it, first of all, I think that if Neil Gaiman would have written this book this year, I really feel like this is kind of the path that he would have gone down yeah, anyway. I'm with because you. of this. But also, if you think about it from the the lore of the show, if she would have started using Tinder and, and using or or an app like that, and and making her own way, technically, it is already. It is technically a test, yeah, a testament to the new gods. She's new using gods, yeah. the new gods to do this anyway. Even if sure. they aren't the ones that are influencing her. But what if that. she had the upper hand? That's well, what I'm mm -hmm. saying. So I think, manipulating them. I think what you were looking for just hasn't happened yet because Hopefully. they have the scene with her and Technical Boy, and she does show that like she shows her hand in the way that she is using new media to gain power mm -hmm. but she is very much not on the side of the new gods and she shows that's a technical boy by like kind of threatening him in that scene the scene with the two of them interacting and i think in season two they will develop her character more especially i think what you're I looking so. for It'd because be I, I think they really only seeded her character in this season without really expanding on her i also have to say that that first scene with her in the first episode like that's what everyone was talking about yeah i, I mean, mean like, like i didn't know listen I've been on, I've been on the net for some time. I've seen some shit. You've, seen, you've been on the interweb, the deep web. Never seen anything like that. Nope. I don't think I've ever seen anybody consume someone with their vagina. So way to go, Brian Fuller, for showing me something sexual that I've never seen before. Definitely one of the things I was. That the does one. not happen very He's often. He's the one that would do it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can't re reimagine that scene in exactly how it plays in your head. Well, yeah. It's so yeah. funny that, because oh. people were so like talk. They're, they're talking so much about before it was released, like. There's going to be a scene of gay sex between a man and a djinn. And that was like the thing that was being drummed up as like, that's a groundbreaking in our new thing. But I was very much enthralled to see how they were going to portray this whole scene with Bilquist because like, yeah, we all know how that's going to happen. But with this Bilquist thing, like, it's like, how are they even going to do that? How many people yeah. do you think were watching that scene? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well, I've got a new fetish now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn guess, it! Oh, I guess I'm into this. <laughs> this is <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! 
How can yeah. I make this uh, happen to me? Yeah, wearing my furry costume in the trash. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I got a new thing now. Furries, it's over. <laughs> I can't wait for a 2017 in Pornhub summary of yes. most searched for yeah. things. Jenna swallowing. <laughs> yeah, how do you even Google lie, that? I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that all Bill Quisting. Well, yeah, to get into that then... Um, I want to talk about the gin scene also. And yeah, 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 that scene in particular, like I thought it was very well done. My other was well done. That was yeah. singing gods. That was very close to the book. And I'm very excited about sex. how. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very excited about how close to the book they kept that because yeah. I feel like that was like a very that's like that was like one one book. like yeah. really exactly the same and, and it seems so, so topical good. still i yeah. mean that that's one of the things that like from from 2001 when the book was released to to now mm-hmm. that is still an issue that is so important and so uh hot button still yeah mm-hmm. and it I'm, I'm really kind of excited to see i'm glad that we get to see the uh the salesperson slash now the cab driver, his experience and how he has changed because of that. Yeah. And I like how the book showed that like he accepted his fate of the gin giving him a new lot in life. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that the that the show is expanding on that and it's mm-hmm. kinda cool to see his opinions on prayer and how he views the the old gods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But how I, he, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I, I I really appreciate this scene just from like a sexuality sort of standpoint because I mean, you had uh, Brokeback Mountain kind of like sort of touched like a well, that was a while ago now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, but they definitely broke the mold. In terms they broke of the like mold on that, like being yeah. able to show male queer, on male queer intimacy. sexuality, yeah, intimacy yeah. in yeah. a in like a, in a, a direct way. And but like as far as TV has gone, there hasn't been a lot of um, showrunners who have taken the initiative to actually show like not only gay sex because yeah. I think even like Game yeah. of Thrones has shown some like girl on girl stuff but like that's We've that's a different folk. like yeah, yeah. Folk came along and but it's like but a it very, shows like, man on man intimacy in a way that I don't think any other show has been brave enough to address mm-hmm. directly yeah. because that is still somewhat of a taboo well, for, and, and to show two Muslim men like having full penetrative gay sex on your TV show I think is like very much brave Oh, oh yeah, I really so appreciate much, it. Oh, yeah. So much so the, the gay role in a show is going to be a lot of comic relief or something like that. Right. And, and this definitely puts it in, no, like this is a very serious character, maybe one of the most serious characters in the show. He knows what's up, how he, he is so much more self-actualized in, his, in what, what he's going to live his, how he's going to live his truth than almost any other character. Right. Mm-hmm. He has a lot of conviction. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that definitely is a testament to how this is different from how it might have been portrayed in any other show. Right. And the fact that they were, they showed the whole, they showed, the whole they, thing. Yeah, the whole <laughs> thing. The whole thing, thing was like, 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 they really like, I think stars had a deal where they had to show like the same amount of female nudity as male nudity. Cool. And that's a cool thing. That is really yeah, cool. Like, that's a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you look at other shows that use sexuality, it's like Game of Thrones kind of uses it in some gross ways, some, in like some, some like, these are ways that exploitative ways it, it um, has no purpose a lot of like some of the times like, like they normalize sex position they're having right? a, or, a conversation and there's just like someone fucking in yeah the in the background yeah. or like girls practicing in the background like right. yeah but well, this, this is like using sexuality in a it matters to these two mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. and even non-sexuality i mean there's scenes where there's just like a naked man sitting 
in a morgue or whatnot. Yeah. And they're not having any bones about... Like, the dick's showing that, a yeah, penis. The dick is yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it definitely helps to break down the whole, like... Let's just spoil over here, but... Yeah, it definitely makes it... It's not I, just a thing for women. You can show boobs yeah. on TV all day long, but like time a penis shows up and it's like, you know. There was a time there where I feel like comedy started using penises. Like forgetting like, Sarah Marshall. Exactly. Yeah, but it was, yeah. That was very much the comic relief. Right. Yeah. You show like a naked dick like on screen and that was like a laugh. Like, oh my God. And there was a couple so years funny. There was a couple years there where like there, was, forgetting Sarah Marshall yeah. was the example I can think of, but there were a couple and, other yeah. like male penises, like naked penises. This one's cool because it really, it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's just the human body being naked. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. For, on both it sides. It doesn't have to be you know? sexual. And you, you see it so much in, the sh- in, in this show, particularly, like, you do get, like, if you were kind of like, oh my god, they're showing the dick. By the end of the season, you're just like, where's the dick? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or we just Wait, need more dick We just need this. more dick on this. Come you're going to see boobs, but they're going to be from someone who's had an autopsy, and they're just like, the skin is all flat yeah, everywhere. Like, right. it's not romantic at no, all. It's right. it's not going to turn. Just I mean, it's going to turn something. Laura, Laura sure, Moon, but, yeah, well, I mean, someone's going to be that. Yeah, Laura <laughs> Moon being, like, naked, but also, like, pretty much like it's held together by duct tape it's like it's like yeah i'm not really super into this <laughs> so right right fetish. now but good on good on them in desexualizing the human body in a way that we're used to the human body being sexualized and then in other ways sexualizing the human body in ways that we are not used to seeing it yeah well it's also yeah. rare too Very that a religious person is shown as being someone who also craves sex and right. has sexual sure. response to someone mm-hmm. and later on even in the ice cream truck on their journey you know, Matt Sweeney says to him, like, how many times are you going to pray per day? And he was like, well, this is just what I do. I'm a yeah. religious person mm-hmm. right. still, even. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was kind of nice. I feel like a lot of times you're either a prude or you're just obsessed with sex. Yeah. It's like, no, you can have one person who is everything. A religious, a normal human man, a person who's struggling professionally, someone who is attracted to other people mm-hmm. or a certain gender that is not the norm. Yeah, it was just awesome. It was a fully rounded character for as small screen time as we got to see him. Yeah, he's I, not on a lot. I but hope he's awesome. I hope they expand his character more in the future because I don't think they really. I wasn't super satisfied with the way that they continued his character on once he joined up with Laura mm-hmm. and that swing. That's how it just ended all of a sudden. Yeah, like, all right, kinda, here you go, he kind of ultimately felt like an well, It's almost just like, well, why'd you bring him back again? Right. Yeah, like just if, leave him off into the side story. Yeah, Don't if they had bother, just left yeah. that story as is, that would have been one thing. But to bring him back, but then not really resolve it. I just hope there's more to him in season two. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah as you, like... Hopefully, we'll see more of Bilquis and more of her personality. I think really? for sure she's going to be a bigger um, player in the, the next yeah. season. Yeah. I would hate to see Laura say, like, all right, House on the Rock, that's where they all are. Go get your gin. And then if we never see him again, if we never see that reconciliation, that's going to be a little disappointing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I have a feeling they're going to bring him back. I just am definitely hoping that they continue to handle that character yeah. well in the way that they've already started to. Yeah. I feel like we haven't talked about, like, Shadow, really. Hmm, yeah, yeah. You know, because um, uh, I remember when I first read the, my opinion on Shadow, when I first read the book, he's so much of just like a reader surrogate. Like he kind of, mm-hmm. he will have the questions that you have. He's a soft-spoken dude. You have uh, Neil Gaiman kind of giving you his inner monologue, but it's it's never anything besides like, and then Shadow pondered on this for a moment. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, it really is like an extension of you reading. Um, yeah. 
He's kind of a blank slate. Exactly. And well, and one of the parts from the book that I think that they didn't talk about in the show is that Laura has a part where she says that she would walk in on Shadow and he would just be sitting there, just sitting there, mm-hmm. just blank the slate. And I think that that's kind of a, a, a big part of his personality. Like he hadn't woken up yet. Like he, he hadn't woken up as a, per- yeah, as a person. Yeah, character. He had no identity, really. That's why it's kind of weird. He was that, a like, the, He was a mother. shadow. Exactly. It's weird in the flashback scene when you see their kind of like romance. Mm-hmm. Like in the shade, it's like he's almost like too much of a person too that I'm used to. Yeah, that yeah I'm just too charismatic. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, that's not shit. Shadow's like a handsome dude. He's described as like a handsome, um, like dark-skinned man who's like very broad and very brooding and mm-hmm. like, but he's like kind of not dumb, but like a little, just not all there and to very me quiet. The, to me in the books, he's the result of just falling into wherever he needed to be at the time right. and he was mm-hmm. always influenced. Like he became a product of his where, yeah, was up again where he needed to be at the time, and a reactor. He not just, an yeah, actor. exactly. He's definitely a reactor rather than an actor. And when there's nothing going on, he's just, just Jack. You know, so you know, um, Shadow did not learn the art of coin tricks or card tricks until he was in prison. Yes. Okay. So that is something that he did not learn. He it's, did not have that interest. And he read a lot in prison and yes. became a more educated human being. Well, they say that in the show as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to see him, as you said, Robbie, like kind of like he, winning over Laura, you're just like, you're almost like too much right now. Yeah, he's, yeah he already weird. has that. And so he, he learned, and they didn't really touch on this either, which I think is kind of cool. He, he learned coin tricks by, he had a blank because there weren't a lot of coins, but he smuggled a little a blank that he practiced his coin trips on. And he learned how to like trick a coin toss mm-hmm. and make it look like it's wobbling in the air but he always knew the result because it wasn't turning end over end it's just kind of wobbling up and down and that's how Wednesday tricks him and they don't really go into that either yeah and it's a very subtle they make know, him more because they they make him into uh he was a thief small time before he met Laura so he had some of these like um Con magic tricks, tricks. yeah con- mm-hmm. contract is probably the well, they show that too when he goes into the casino and meets Laura for the first time, yeah, he's he trying to swim plan- He is planning yeah. to rob the casino, and she calls him out on it. Yeah, so. yeah, but that necessarily wasn't how he got into jail in the first place. How he got into the jail in the books was he was the getaway driver for another team who wasn't the brains behind it at all. Yeah, and they tried to screw him out of his money. They and took he, the money. He beat him up, and he found out about it, and he beat him up, and that's why he went into jail. So he was never. The brains behind it, he was never. It's weird having the, him be the brains. Like, mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I think tying him, tying Laura. the heist back into Laura makes, makes it sense. more cohesive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to Watchmen, I think it's like the example of the way that they played the um, extraterrestrial aspect of that and changing that to using. Um, Nuclear explosive. What's his name? Mr. Manhattan. Mr. Ma- Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan, yeah. Back Mr. into, they like took out the alien part for the movie right. and used Dr. Manhattan. Like that change of like, I think that is probably a positive change. Like not having this mm-hmm. external heist, having more characters, more hi- more actors to hire to rope that back in by just yeah. like using the characters they already have and yeah. tying that together makes it a little bit cleaner. And I'm going to do this in the best way that I can to not spoil the show for people that haven't read the books, but there's another character that I feel like I'm really kind of sad that they left out from the prison scene, Mr. Lysmith. They included him. Did they? Briefly. Briefly, but they never but even gave him a name. Way. They in never a even gave him way. a name, and it, 
and I'm not I'm not going to go much more into his character, but he was definitely that the guy building the birdhouse in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And so I was, think that he's going to be more. He's the one that influenced more. Shadow into who he became in prison. He was in like prison. coaching him. Kind exactly, of making him re- how to read be a and, better. Comic. I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly. be surprised if we get some more prison. I think we might see some more. Yeah. Well, I was hoping for a lot more during this season, and that would have been a good time as it ties into other other things that we've seen like yeah. I, I'm very surprised that there hasn't been much of that I think you have to remember that this again is eight episodes and that I think they're trying to make the world seem really big so that maybe they can zone back in mm-hmm. that's what I would like to see my hope for season two is that they kind of like narrow the focus a little bit yeah. it was focused and then they kind of blew it up a little too much for my taste a little yeah. too quickly mm-hmm. um, but if they can now that they have done that and they can narrow it back in make it more intimate and see I think I wish that season one would have been a little more quiet and then season two would have been the time when they expounded oh, and made yeah. it like mm-hmm. look at this that's mm-hmm. what I kind of wish it would have started out more like homegrown yeah. roots based it it could be one of those shows where season two makes you like season one more I hope so OJ Horseman did that to me and for I sure, think you know? I think having they're very different but. the <laughs> difference between the context that you guys have in coming into mm-hmm. this having read the book and Absolutely. the dif- difference of the context I have Having familiar, uh, being familiar with Brian Fuller's previous work, yeah. Like I said, kind of at the top, like going from Hannibal season one into season two. Season two is really where it hit its stride because season one he kind of laid groundwork, and then season two he was able to flesh out mm-hmm. some things that were not really addressed as closely in season one. And especially by the time he got to season three, it was like really like him doing his thing. Um, I'm very hopeful for what he builds on this first season with in future seasons definitely you were talking about shadow a little bit and how we didn't talk about him much i'm going to be much more interested in talking about shadow once we hit a certain section of the show there's this part where he is in a place called lakeside and Mm, it kind of becomes a different story for a good like 150 pages it becomes this other a lot of people consider that the slowest part of the book you might have to slog through it it is but a that would probably book. If, if that's but more of a shadow centric part, it's very shadow. That's that when shadow would, becomes who he is. That would probably be a good starts to become. That it's would very be it's, a good opportunity to show. It's cool seeing him. That town changes his context a yeah. lot, and yes. he really becomes his own. He Kinda definitely thing, thinks yeah. of who he is, and he thinks <clears throat> on everything that's happened. It's a meditative experience, mm-hmm. for exactly. sure. But it would also probably be a good opportunity to show prison flashbacks to definitely yeah that might be a good character more that might be so. good mm-hmm. it's a very sleepy town mm-hmm. absolutely yeah so, yeah we'll see um any other characters that we didn't get to we really yes. didn't get to the sisters cool because he's always he's always been cool though but yeah he's definitely cool in the show. i loved how they portrayed the the bleeding axe that i thought the, or the bleeding Hammer? Yeah. Hammer. That, that was really cool. <laughs> I mean, Peter Stormata is one of my favorite like character actors out mm-hmm. there. He always plays like such a weirdo, creepy, intimidating. You want to talk about like Crispin Glover, the way he, they oh, use yeah. him as like yeah. a weird, creepy, intimidating dude? Peter Stormata is right there with him, and they're mm-hmm. like, this guy is threatening. I don't, I cannot trust this dude. His yeah. character was handled with such grace. That's ex- like that's exactly how he comes. He's one of the best, the like adapted, adapted characters for the book. And sure. that like, checker scene is done as slow. I love as how it's wanted I it fucking to love those checkers, and not chess. He's like, no, I like checkers. checkers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's great because it's a simple, it's a simpler game, right? But he handles it with such like uh, an animosity, right? And that's the thing. Like it's the, the gods are so much more interesting. The old gods are so much more interesting when you like 
spend time with them intimately and like mm-hmm. see them in their those quiet moments because like when they're doing like oh wow we got shit or like telling you this like the, like the coming to America stories are really cool kind of after you learn about the gods because you see them kind of like I've fallen from grace this is a really quiet intimate moment why do we even care about you and then you kind of learn about their past and you're just like oh my god you used to be this like crazy awesome thing so they kind of like get these stories before like so you're saying they're like a little reverse it's a little reverse yeah, yeah. where it's like you know i guess we do see them at their height and then kind of see them at their like low point well that's the cool thing about the coming to america stories uh it, it'll be very interesting as the show progresses and we meet more gods in the show mm-hmm. and we run out of gods that we haven't introduced yet and we start so so if they're just doing coming to america stories at the beginning of course they're going to be gods that we haven't seen right and then so towards the end and I, I imagine that it'll bring a lot of rewatch value to uh, how we how we interpret some of the scenes, especially in the earlier episodes where we see now we're familiar with these gods, and now we're going to watch how they came to America again. Yeah, I'm interested to see how those play out. I think the very first uh, coming to America scene is recontextualized once you know that that is Mister Wednesday that they're talking mm-hmm. about in that scene. Yeah. Because you don't know that as a viewer the first time you go through it, and you might have forgotten about that scene by the time they were. Did you not realize it was Odin until you got to the the reveal? Or you I knew he was kind of, Odin, but yeah. I had forgotten about that first scene. Mm-hmm. Oh right, where they're talking about Odin, mm-hmm. and then you see the rest of the show, and it's like, oh, this is the guy they were talking about yeah. in that yeah. scene. Well, yeah, so media he, and technical boy, Mr. Rald kind of give it away in that scene where yeah. they confront him and they show yeah, and they show the rocket, yeah, the rocket, and they're like Odin. I'm like. That's why did they do that? Yeah, that was one of my <laughs> least so favorite bad. parts. One of my least. Because you guys were parts. looking for it, so like for somebody. No, I was hoping to not see it. Yeah, yeah. but you still knew. But you knew I already knew. going in. But I, I still didn't was... like it. Yeah. But yeah. 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 This was information. Still a shock, the information is out there, right? Mm-hmm. You could go read the book. So like, right. they don't need to be at. They don't need to play as coy. They can put in those hints there. Yeah. So if True. you're looking for it. If you're looking for it, you can, you know, when we talked about them using the alternative name to Odin, like I Googled it and found out right, it was Odin. Right. But I could also just Google American Gods, who is Mr. Wednesday, and get the I'm same information. That. So it's don't, like... Don't do that. Still, don't do that. Just don't do that. But that's, a, that's the viewer's choice. So like they don't have to play as coy because it's not like they're not really... This is not a, a secret that is unavailable to you as yeah. a reader. Well, I think that's an important part of Shadow's character is when he gets to that point where he was like, I can't handle this anymore. Like, so many weird things are happening and I have to kind of believe now, who are you? And that's when Wednesday says, I am the All-Father. I am called mm-hmm. this. Yeah. I am called that. So Shadow Same seeks idea. out that information mm-hmm. and that's important to me for his character and they do include that scene in when he asks at Easter's celebration. He yeah. does ask. Yeah. But it's already once it's been shown. Right. And that was a little bit of a bummer for me. That was the reason I didn't enjoy it as much. It's cool when you... Because I don't think I... I think when I was reading the book, I really didn't know until like, yeah. that scene. And like, Absolutely. it's powerful to learn it when Shadow learns mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Again, because the book is so much... He's so much more of your audience. Or not audience or reader of surrogate in it. So like that moment where like when Shadow says Odin, you're like, oh shit, that's who you are. <laughs> well, it's, but it's strong. My know? point is, I think as a passive viewer, yeah. like just because you guys had that reveal already, you knew that already, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that everybody that watches the show is going to realize that he's it. Odin, and that reveal could still have yeah. been big for people watching the show. And also, I'm very, I've been very curious to think how this would have been interpreted. 
especially with the with the big part of Odin being such a big central figure in the Norse mythology, how it would have been interpreted had there not been such a big uh, comic book thing with You're movies right. and with, with Thor. With Thor. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have Thor and Ragnarok, and like, you get all this. We're definitely more history. We're more informed now, even in like the postmodern sense. But we know kind of about like exactly a little bit more about North mythology than I think like we would have in a pre MCU. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. interesting then. So I really like didn't book, know much about Loki until like the Thor movies came out. Right. I was so like, yeah, like the book is like the old gods. The show is like the new gods. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, you could recontextualize this whole thing into that. Right. It's yeah, for very sure. different context. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. I, th- I think my last thing that I was going to touch on, and if we're wrapping up, um, the music is phenomenal. Yes. The opening theme is one of the best opening themes I've ever heard in my life. I love that they kind of use elements from the immigrant song. Yeah. The howling of uh, the women. Yeah. Yeah. The music uh, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really That fun. intro is really cool, and I don't think I ever fast forwarded through it. Yeah. Not once. I kept it long. Exactly. Yeah. If I if I may say something musical related that I've kind of picked up on it and watching this episode a couple times, there's the the part where they go and hang out with Vulcan, and it, I wanted to talk about oh, Vulcan. It's interesting because it, it starts off and there's that production and they show they they show like the happy go lucky, uh, I'm gonna be happy, and then yeah. the, the, the the boss falls into the lead, and then they still keep making bullets, and there's like that uh, kind of like fife and drum sort of thing and they show the, the visual aspect of them packaging up their drums and or packaging up their their bullets and then it leads into the rest of the episode and then at the very end Vulcan gets killed and falls into it and it's the exact same scene of, and you see all the same elements and the drums are still there but it's much more sinister right. music going along with them as it's going and I really love that and so with a musical background, that, that definitely seemed to me like an A, and then the middle section is kind of like a B section, and then at the end it goes back to A. So or, like a and, coda? Yeah, or, or, or if you really want to think of it, it's kind of like sonata form if you want to get like, if you really want to search for like words to put with it, like you have the beginning and its idea, and then you have all the variations on it and all how they, how they dealt with what happened the manipulation the, of that. Exactly, the manipulation and everything. And then at the end, they have the same idea, but it's modulated. Right, it's twisted. Exactly. Yeah. And I really loved that. And yeah. that, though that wasn't in the book at all, I thought that that was so stylistic. Mm-hmm. He's really a cool. professional musician, if you haven't picked yes. up on it. <laughs> no, that's good, that, like, that's good to have you be able to like, do that, though. This is the first yeah, time absolutely. I've used my music degree in a very long time. That's all I'm going to say about that. We're fine with that. Jack, what were your thoughts on Vulcan? I know that you're interested to really discuss it. I really liked... I mean, I like this show as a commentary on modern media in in general. But the reuse of Vulcan as an old god becoming a new god and becoming the god of... Going from the god of fire, the volcano god, Mm -hmm. where you see the... In the very beginning of that episode, the um, boss getting thrown in the fire... Like the sacrifice being, being synonymous with throwing somebody in a volcano as a sacrifice to becoming this god of firepower mm-hmm. where his bullets and like the lust and the the amount of how how guns become like a religion to people, especially yeah. in America. That's a yeah. huge part of America. It's a lot of commentary. And especially love- in the current political climate oh, that we live in, where you see 
this aspect of America that I think all of us as people that have been born in, well, I was born and raised in New York. I've always been in this sort of, you know, mindset, but like there's this entire aspect of the country that I think we forget about and now has been brought back into to the discussion. I yeah. think we grew up in maybe even a scarier atmosphere. We're both from the Midwest. Heath will claim that he is from more of the Midwest. He's from <laughs> Nebraska and I'm from Indiana. So you guys were raised but in that, in that I sort of had setting. to take yeah. Hunter's education in high school. It was wow. part of the curriculum. Yeah, that's, that's it was a crazy. section of health class. That's insane. Hunter's education. And I had mm-hmm. to get like my like shooting permit essentially yeah. in class. And so I think that episode in particular was like the scariest for me right. to actually realize and say like, yeah, this is true. Like, yeah. this is something I want to ignore most of the time, but it's a very huge part of how we're brought up. And if I may like kind of make another observance of the, the great political, uh, like big political parts that they've made in this, this show is that there was the, the one line every... Yeah, I, I might be paraphrasing here, but every bullet fired in a crowded movie theater is a prayer in my name. Right. That's huge. That's like such That's a, a big like, deal. I mean, <laughs> they were not pulling any punches with that whole that whole episode. I mean, they had fucking red armbands. Like mm-hmm. they were all wearing red armbands. Exactly. You know, they, he was Brian Fuller was making a political statement with the way that exactly. these Americans are. Using but it also guns, definitely right? shows how the old gods get their energy. How they get their Life is right. th- th- this is the modern prayer now for them, right. and if I may to get more political, like that intro, the coming to America for that episode with which, which is my personal favorite, which is not in the book, it's the the immigrants coming into America, the illegal immigrants coming mm-hmm. into America, right? And there's the Mexican portrayal of Jesus, and then all of a sudden they're shot down by a rifle with a guy holding a rosary. And right. uh, engraved in the gun is "Thy will be done." Right. And so it's kind of like, who's Jesus is going to come out here? And I think that is just such a huge. It's like conflicting commentary. ideologies. Yeah. Of conflicting who ideologies Jesus is. of the same yeah, thing. Like it's thing. it's really, big. but also the complete hypocrisy of American religion, where Jesus preached, "Love thy neighbor, love mm-hmm. love the other." And meanwhile, this guy has rosary beads and is shooting down people yeah. because they live in a different country. But yeah. the bullet casing that reads Vulcan. Exactly. Right. It's yeah. it's great foreshadowing. Yeah. It is. It's really good. Yeah. <sighs> For me, that's one of my absolute favorite episodes. That's my favorite. Like, I, th- I think that's probably like my favorite uh, com- bits of commentary. Mm-hmm. Like, believe in it how you will. That is, is very poignant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very biting as mm-hmm. well. He is and it, and it's very much in line. Like that had so much uh, character from the actual book, like from the book, how from like uh, like the idea that Gaiman was kind of getting across when he wrote the book, showing what America is like, right? And and which is basically all these conflicting views. And I suppose I enjoyed that reimagining because that did very much feel like this is how Neil Gaiman would write about this now. Mm-hmm. I very much valued that as opposed to some of the changes that were made to other things. I'm still wrestling with that. Mm-hmm. But that was the hardest episode, yeah, definitely, for me to watch, for me to come to terms with, because I was just so, like, almost in denial. And then after that episode, it was just like, oh, that was so good. Mm-hmm. Like, I really ha- wanted to have a lot of issues with that episode, but you couldn't. It was yeah. so well done. No, because it's topical. 
Right. You know, if you remade the book that was written in 2002, it wouldn't be topical anymore. And I think the one thing, you know, be it changes or not, and how you feel about those changes, the changes are to modernize that entire commentary and bring it into the current political climate, Um, especially, you know, with the way that, especially in America, like the current American climate. What was really sad to see is multiple times, um, especially when you first meet Technical Boy, and then in that last episode when you see Mr. World kind of like gather his minions who all are faceless males of the same stature. Mm -hmm. There are these creatures that don't have a face. Mm -hmm. And it was so sad to see that um, town of Vulcan's town Mm -hmm. and have essentially all of those humans basically be those same men who don't have faces. Right. They all think the same way. They all go about their lives in such a routine manner. They don't question anything. Right. under the sway of the god. And sadly, that's kind of where we are. They are the sheep. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They lose their identity in worship to this bigger idea. And their participation. mm -hmm, Right. Mm -hmm. And they lose all sort of um, ability to criticize the thing that they are so strongly following. Mm -hmm. And you might be able to say that it goes both ways. Like even with the technological boy, all those people are faceless that that might be i don't know if that was intended to be a nod towards anonymous or Mm. or what like i mean the the faceless man like there's power in numbers right Mm -hmm. and you don't know who we are like that i don't know it's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. definitely well i think then um we're all kind of in the same agreement that we're all optimistic for season two for more whether we um came into the end of season one with joy or with despair seems like we (laughs) all even if we had different opinions out, coming out of season one it seems like we are still hungry for season two and look forward to seeing oh, where yeah. it's going absolutely mm-hmm. definitely well really quickly um we're gonna go around and just kind of talk about things that we're watching television wise and kind of give you like a little taste of what we're going to be talking about with Catherine Raycast in the future so robbie what television shows are you interested in maybe talking about later um on? i was gonna say i don't i don't think i'm watching anything too new right now i think mm-hmm. like american gods is like kind of the newest one but i really want to do legion yeah absolutely yeah. super pumped yeah. for legion legion was great um yeah i loved legion um i was so shocked that they did x-men on the small screen live action so well um and so weird and so weird and it's so good yeah and, like i definitely want to talk about that so much um we'll see if we do that maybe sooner to when it releases like the second season or if we yeah. do it before that who knows yeah that's up, to you. That's, up to, together. that's up to you but uh yeah definitely want to do legion for sure yeah awesome hello <laughs> twin peaks yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> if it weren't for twin peaks the return being on television right now i would be able to say without a doubt in my mind that Legion was my favorite thing that I've watched mm, in the past year. Yeah. But the fact that Twin Peaks The Return yeah. is out. 2017 has been a very, very strong year for TV so yeah, far. For yes. content in general. Right now, week yeah. to week, I am hanging on a thread to see the new episode of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and then also begrudgingly watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> fair, um, fair. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been watching whatever bernadette forces me to sit down <laughs> and watch i i don't know i'm just Sounds I'm like a passerby. i just <laughs> i don't think that i have time to even add anything to our roster of stuff i just sit down when i'm told to sit down and watch what i'm told to watch and i'm, I, I'm fine with that uh american gods is probably the biggest thing that i've been excited about for a while because it's it's been my favorite book for a long time and mm-hmm. so 
Yeah, that was kind of my biggest thing. But Legion, love Legion. Mm-hmm. Excited for Rick and Morty. Yeah, Rick and oh, Morty comes back on yeah. Sunday, I believe. Oh, that's, today is Sunday. Shiza. Oh, no, a week from today. Okay, next week. Yeah, yeah. I was like, is it today? No. no. I, I gotta go. Flip the table over and be like, gotta get back. Which, by the way, the new episode of Twin Peaks is up in half, in half an hour. hour. So, yeah. see you guys later. Peace out. So, yeah, we will definitely start getting into Twin Peaks The Return. We will talk about a retrospective of Twin Peaks back from 90 and 91. We're gonna get into Rick and Morty. Yeah. I would love to get into a retrospective of shows like Spaced and... Older shows would be cool. Older yeah. shows would be awesome to get mm-hmm. into. Um, I'm still sad almost every day that Penny Dreadful is gone. Mm. Like, we have some serious heft here to get through, but television You're not is short amazing. on content. Yeah, uh, definitely sure. not. Um, Stranger Things Stranger season Things. two comes oh, out yeah, in October, yeah. so we'll probably Fargo talk about that. That's great. Fargo. I still haven't seen the new Fargo Master season. Nun. Master of None has been yeah, fantastic. I'm only, I'm only two episodes into the new season, but I really like it. Yeah. Is it your I'm favorite watching. thing? <laughs> Master of None is my favorite <laughs> thing. thing. Favorite thing. I just like seeing Eric Warheim be weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but not Tim and Eric weird. Just like I'm a just normal, normal, weird. normal guy weird. Yeah, human yeah. being weird. Yeah, exactly. it's yeah. good. It's delightful. Well, thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much to you guys for joining me you to talk about welcome. American Gods. I think we got a good amount of dialogue going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think so. hopefully totally. we will all enjoy the second season. And I know it's going to be a while, but yeah. we'll have plenty to talk to in mm-hmm. the interim. So, thank you so much, listeners. And we will catch you on the flip side. Peace. Later. I think I would drop it. (laughs) All the time. All the time. Someone listens to the podcast and be like, who who destroyed the room that they're in? (laughs) Just like, spin it and just like. (laughs) Well, that would be totally unacceptable because we never make any outside noise ever while we record. I've never farted once during a podcast. (laughs) Never, never done that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Or we'll absolutely burp during every podcast we do. I mean, Robbie farts during every podcast. Mike is just an editing wizard. Cool. The whole time I'm farting. Yeah.